Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Late night fantasy baseball today. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, you're hearing this on Wednesday, June 26th. I am recording this, and I am exhausted on Tuesday night. You're exhausted. The 25th. Oh. You're, you're exhausted. I'm actually. This is my like prime work time right here. So yeah. I'm energized. That's I'm gonna. True. I'm gonna carry the energy level here. That's true. So that's Scott. I'm Adam, and we got a special guest. His name is Chris, but he's not Chris Towers. He is Chris Welsh. He is a fantasy baseball podcast host. He is a prospect aficionado. He hosts the In This League podcast, and he does the Prospect One podcast as well. Uh, I've listened to his show. I've been on his show. They have a drop that is just me laughing, and it's really weird. And Chris Welsh, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. What's up, dude? Gentlemen, what's going on? It's I've, I've told you before, it's literally my favorite drop that I have in our whole thing. Like We'll do you know different sounders and whatnot on the In This League podcast, but there's nothing I love more, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it for you real quick, than oh, the Adam it. Azer laugh track. <laughs> It's anytime I can drop it. I actually, I was communicating with you the other day on the podcast. I said something. I'm like, right, Azer? <laughs> so that's my favorite <laughs> so thing on weird. the planet. So thank you for that gift you've given us. Scott, is that how I laugh? I guess it is, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, that's that sounded like a genuine laugh. That's not usually the laugh you give me. Oh, I'm I more subdued. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, well. It's a laugh I got when I told... Adam, you have to watch Cable Guy, and then he just laughed in my face and said, yeah, I'll get right on that. Yeah, Chris and I have this long-running thing where uh, he likes Cable Guy, and I, it's the worst. So, listen, we'll, we'll learn more about Chris and his movie tastes and all that in a bit. We're going to talk prospects. Uh, we got It's Worryometer Wednesday, and Blake Snell is the headliner on the Worryometer, so I did a Twitter poll. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we can get some updated results here. Basically, how worried are you about Blake Snell with three options? He's got a 501 ERA, by the way, right now. Not worried at all. Moderately concerned and very concerned in all caps. Uh, he, so 9% said not worried at all. 48% said moderately concerned. And 43% said very concerned. Yeah. The 43% are the people who follow me on Twitter, <laughs> I think, because my timeline was blowing up during all of this. And I know... I know people are tired of hearing me say it, and as we discussed last time, I'm tired of having to say it, but I I don't see any huge cause for concern here. And I've looked, I've looked, I've it's basically the last three starts where uh where there might be cause for concern. The ERA's gone for about three fifty to over five during that stretch. And the one thing I could find is, you know, usually most starts he's averaged over 96 on his fastball. The past three have been between 95 and 96, but this most recent one here was 95.9. So even that feels kind of like nitpicking. I guess it's possible that pitching through a broken toe in May, which mostly went very well, by the way, uh, he developed some kind of bad habit mechanically. But if that's it, like I feel like I trust him to figure it out. I, I'm not... 
And then uh, yeah. you look at the actual peripherals them- themselves. I mean, he went into this start with a 338 FIP, and the XFIP was even lower than that. Uh huh. So what? We, so all right. I guess we. I guess we're gonna just jump right into Blake Snell on the Warriors zero to I mean, ten. I, I was kind of <laughs> geared up for it. Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, I understand why people are are freaking out right now. Um, it was a terrible start against the Twins. It was what? Uh, set, it was like eleven hits and seven runs. Yeah. So yeah. all right, I, I if I had been voting, I probably would have voted for moderately concerned, but I would have been cl- in between not worried at all and moderately concerned. My worry on Blake Snell would be a. Five, Chris. How about you? I'd say I'm probably sitting at around a three because I do think that I think what we're seeing with Blake Snell is just part of what we should have expected. I mean, what was the huge narrative in the draft season? It was regression. You know, Blake Snell. There's got to be some regression based off of last year. The point totals they're going to come down because you know they were heavily weighted on wins. But you know, kind of like Scott was talking about before this game coming in, his xFIP right here was literally 0.01 lower than it was last year. So he had a 1.89 ERA the entire year last year, but a 316 XFIP. He had a lower XFIP this year, and his ERA is three points higher. The only peripheral stuff outside of game-to-games you see, he had a completely unsustainable left-on-base percentage last year, 88%, really, really high. It's gone down to 69%, and he's like a career 76% guy, and he's giving up more homers. So why I say I'm not too concerned is because I had kind of baked in some of my thought process that he was going to regress a little bit. And I think this is part of the process. So people are freaking out right now and it creates maybe a buy opportunity, but I'm with you. Azer. I was like between moderately concerned, maybe not worried at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, regressing a little bit in five Oh one ERA are obviously very different, Chris. Uh, true. Yeah. I mean, that's like, right. that's like the difference between Ace Ventura and cable guy, you know? Like, yeah. And I don't think particularly in this pitching <laughs> landscape, if, if Snell's ERA, <laughs> I'm this sorry. Guy just I just ran like, yeah, I just plowed through that. Joke. Right, yeah. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> it was a good one too. It was a good one. Yeah. I'm I'm terrible. <laughs> like if if he is if his ERA was basically what his FIP or XFIP was in this pitching environment with the strikeouts he has, which by the way, still far and away the best swinging strike pitcher in baseball. I don't think anyone would be concerned. Uh, but the fact that it, you know things have come together, things have broken in such a way over this past three starts that the ERA is now a huge, scary number. And even that, like, okay, so the first two starts, he struggled with walks four in each. This start, he gave up 11 hits. Eight of them were singles. I mean, the the three start stretches a total of seven innings, two home runs allowed. I just have a hard time believing that's a guy who's lost it. Like... No, okay. I know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the only thing I want to throw in, too, because I, I agree, and, and part of like um, expanding on what I was saying is we're also in a snapshot. And that's got to think that's kind of like what you're saying. Like when I say, hey, look, you know, it's a five ERA, the XFIP is really close to last year, and there's a couple peripherals that are off. Let's not be crazy worried. It's also because the season isn't done. This is a snapshot of this moment. At this moment, these last two or three starts have made this look really bad. But as we've kind of pointed out here, there's not a whole bunch of things that jump out to you that say, wow, this pitcher is lost and broken outside of, you know, there's a pretty high BABIP that's attached to him. So some things are going wrong here. His his K per nine is up a full K per nine right now. His walks are in line. It's just the homers, and he's not leaving guys on base. He's not getting the win. So the snapshot right now looks bad, but I think as a whole, when we're done at the end of the year, we're going to look at Blake Snell and be like, well, obviously it wasn't the 189 uh, ERA and 21 win season we saw, but it evened itself out into maybe the low four three high, or uh, uh, high threes, and it worked itself out into the regression that maybe we thought. 
All right. Well, you know, I I would be though just a, I would be disappointed if he finishes with a high three, low four ERA. You know, like yeah. At this point, and it's five oh one, and we're halfway through the season, so I don't, I don't expect him to have a sub three ERA. But I'd like for him to go on a uh, on a, a run and get and finish with like a three thirty ERA. Is that too much to ask the Welsh? I think it's in. I think you can get that with this team. It's just. Uh, like we said, I mean, a lot, what is this? A lot of this is compounded in the last three starts. I'm I'm a believer in a second half Blake Snell. I think he if there's a guy that can pull off a run, a guy that's dropping uh, 12 strikeouts per nine innings, you know, with an uh, not an unreasonable walk ratio. I think there's a guy that can do this. And I think you can get to the low threes. Just if you think you're getting two and a half, no. you will be disappointed. But, right. you know, we got a whole half season left. This is good. I feel less lonely now. Yeah, now's the time to buy. My back and forths on Twitter, we're feeling pretty lonely tonight. Yeah, now's the time to buy for sure. All right, so uh, then there's this section called These Guys, so I wanted to talk about. So how would you prioritize, based on tonight, all three of them pitched, Ross Stripling, Julio Arias, and Adbert Alzali. It is Alzali, by the way. And let's go through the numbers. Alzali, four and two-thirds. Left with the bases loaded. Walked four batters. Came pretty close to getting a strikeout to get out of the fifth inning. And then I don't know if he would have come out for the sixth or not, but he left with the bases loaded. They got out of the jam. So he gives up one run on one hit. First pitch of of the game, he gave up a home run to Acuna. Did not give up a hit the rest of the way. Uh, And so off to a pretty good start. You know, didn't go deep in the game, but pitch well. Ross Stripling. That's that's his first eight and two-thirds innings now. Alzelay's allowed two hits. Two hits, yep. Yeah. Uh, Ross Stripling, 83% owned, three innings, four hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. And the game is in progress right now, and Julio Arias is actually in line for the win. Joe Kelly came in and pitched the fourth inning, and Arias, last I checked, he had pitched two scoreless innings, fifth and sixth, and now he's he's on the mound in the seventh, and currently two and a third, one hit, one strikeout, no runs. So... um. I'll, I'll go to you, Chris. How would you prioritize Ross Stripling, Julio Arias, and Adbert Alzali? Yeah, this one's tough. Like Alzali is interesting. I, I um, I'm out here in Arizona. I cover prospects, and I saw Alzali out here in the fall league, and he was really reminiscent of Justice Sheffield when I saw him. He was working short innings, high two pitch pitcher, not really solid in into any other offering. So I have a hard belief, and I'm, and I'm not going to really buy into Alzali, even though he's got some stuff. He's got some short-inning stuff. I have a, a hard time believing the rest of the season he's going to be able to run uh, the full weight. Stripling and Urias are really, really interesting to me, and I actually think what the Dodgers did tonight should be flipped. I think Urias should almost play the opener because they don't. I don't think they want him to go you know, 50, 60, 70 pitches. They said they want him out of the pen, so I actually think they should use him in an opener, uh, an opener situation. So Stripling, as they stretch him out, can go 75, 80, and then he can go, you know, uh, third inning to seventh inning, something like that. So I would prioritize Stripling. I think he's really solid. Orius right behind him. And regardless of uh, Alzali's really solid numbers right now, he'd be kind of a distant third between the three of them for me. Scott, how about you? I actually go Alzali number one. Because I feel like there's, I mean, just the fact that Arias and Stripling are kind of competing for each other's innings is is a big knock on them. And I, I feel like Alzali's made some big strides within this season. His, you know, he had 12 swinging strikes today. They were almost evenly distributed between three pitches, the fastball, changeup, and curveball, which is also something Theo Epstein talked about in the in the weeks leading up to his promotion. And though obviously the walks were an issue today, 
he loaded the bases on walks, and that's how he ended up with four in that final inning. Um, he had a five total walks in his last five minor league starts. Yeah. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful something was gained there too. And this is just you know obviously adjusting to the major league level. But I, I just I think I think the opportunity from game to game anyway, uh, in terms of a being allowed to go a certain distance, I think will be higher for Alzali. Yeah, what's interesting is, okay, Alzali probably, unless I'm forgetting someone, he probably needs Quintana to get the boot because Hendricks will be back sooner than later. So Al- yeah. Alzali will have a, a bit of an audition here. Uh, but, yeah, but there's not I, an I, obvious think We're talking for... about going six-man, and I think they actually are going six-man right now with Chatwood being the extra pitcher. Um and I don't believe, know how long. Do you believe they would stick with that? No, though? I don't. Who I don't either. Well, they they were talking about it before uh, before Hendricks got hurt as a way of getting Alzali in the rotation. Yeah. All um, right. Well, it wouldn't be a permanent situation. No. I so so I have a league where it was weekly fab and it runs tonight, and I have Arias. I did not pick up Stripling. I picked up Arias after the Hill injury, and this is a long term injury. I think I think it makes sense to at least short-term, own, own both, and see if one of them can win the job. Uh, that was exactly my thing with you. That was exactly where I was going, why they were so close. It's like, get both and see who can come out on top. Yeah, and Stripling's pretty much owned, but Arias isn't. So we'll see what happens. And, and look, there, there is some value to those guys that are RP eligible that come in, and like, like I said, Arias is in line for the win right now. So I don't know what's going to happen by the time you all hear this podcast. You'll know what has happened. But these guys, they come in after openers, and they get wins. So, you know, it's not for every league. It's not for a points league, most likely. But, um, you know, it's something, something to that. I, I, basically this, if, if either Stripling or Arias gets that job and becomes a starter and goes five to six innings each time out for the next couple months, I think we all are going to want that pitcher, whoever it is. I would guess Stripling has the leg up right now. Um, yeah. All right, so <clears throat> let's do the worryometer. We did Blake Snell. Well, let's 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 get to know let's get to know Chris Welsh here. First of all, <laughs> I feel like I, mean, I feel like your name should be W E L C H instead of S H. Uh, the Welch thing it is it is the bane of my existence right now. I've been getting this because it's the it's the Welch soda thing. I'm like, hey, nickname is Purple Drink. I get it. I get people <laughs> still. I, I just I just want to point something out. If somebody emails me, they have to type in. Is it the Welsh at gmail.com or my Twitter handle? Yet I still get people that go, Dear Mr. Welch. You and do, I just I can't I can't wrap my head around. You just it. gave out your email address on the show. We have like a ton That's of listeners. Fine. You know that, right? People can email me. Right, That's fine. Right. I'm a nice guy. You are a nice guy, I think. So Kinda. it's Welsh with an <laughs> with an S. Is it the Welsh at twitter.com? Yeah. Or no, at gmail.com and on Twitter, <laughs> is it the Welsh? Uh, and you're out in Arizona. And it's nine o'clock for you. It's midnight for me and Scott. So you I can't believe you guys show. did this for me too. Because when we were setting this up, we were like, you're like, all right, we do eight thirty Eastern a.m. And I was like, oh boy, let's strap in, let's saddle in. That's five a.m. over here. But I would have done it. But you guys did me a solid, so I appreciate it. No problem. Yeah. So uh, we actually we had a scheduling issue for Wednesday morning show. We had to do it tonight. So I thought it's perfect. This works out perfectly. Um, and uh, yeah, so you host in this league. Very funny. There was an email from one of your listeners because you've had you've had me on several times. You get guests from all other podcasts, and one of your emailers wrote an email called "Fantasy 
What was it, fantasy high? Like fantasy high school? Oh, fantasy baseball high. I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Yeah. You referenced it in uh, when you and I were chatting about it. I'll see if I can even find it. But yeah, listener, because we open up and just like you guys do, you know, we say, hey, you guys want to email us stuff, uh, whatever it is. Obviously, fantasy questions are what we want to answer, but we encourage people to have fun. And someone emailed us in and they were this guy, Devin, and he was like, all right. He's like, I don't have a fantasy question, but. I want to uh, let you know who everybody in the fantasy baseball industry would be if they were in high school. Yeah. And I eat this stuff up and I'm like, let's go. Let's see who all this is. And of course, there's some absolutely ridiculous ones, you know, people giving kudos to other people. I'm like, that guy's not the popular guy in the high school. And you guys, the CBS crew was mentioned as uh God, I'm looking for it. I think it was like the the nerd, the like really yeah, the smart a nerds students um, or something. Yeah, yeah, the A plus nerd students in the back, and I was like, okay, that's. I mean, that's not an insult. No, actually, it was kind of weak. Like, I wanted a better, even more insulting one than that. Like, ours was so plain. But all right, whatever, yeah. we can take it. Scott, that's probably he, he actually what I was in high school. So it might be. <laughs> yeah, it might too. have been the most fitting description. Yeah, same here, same here. All right, great, well, good yeah. for us. I watch baseball every night. Okay, so anyway, um, we've talked about like four guys let's get to it worryometer zero to ten i don't even know if uh the welsh knows how the segment works but i think he figured it out zero to ten ten you're extremely worried zero you're not worried at all justin turner of course he homered today he hit three home runs on may 7th and two more home runs in his next three games and since then one home run since may 11th until of course tonight where he homered off robbie ray but yeah i mean people have been asking is justin turner anything more than just batting average and going into tonight's game Number 19, third baseman in points. Number 25 in Roto. Uh, zero to 10, Chris, on Justin Turner on the worryometer. I have to go with two because I think Justin Turner is showing us exactly who he always is. He is a high batting average guy. I think he is kind of a heavy batting average. That's the big counting tool that you're going on. He's only hit 20-plus homers twice in his career. He's uh, went over 71 RBIs over that once in 2016. So he's a moderate runs, moderate RBI. He doesn't chip in with the uh, stolen bases. He's, if adequate at best, at uh, home runs. But what he does is he keeps you in on average. And if you play in OBP leagues, that makes sense too. So I, I just I don't understand. If anybody owns Justin Turner and they're looking and they're they're having this major worry, why? This is uh, this is what you should expect. A mm-hmm. low counting stats type of player. So I would say it too because I think he's on target. If the batting average were down to two seventy and even the homers were up a little bit, I would be worried because he would have moved off of the player that I thought he was. No, but he's got he's got a one thirty two ISO. Yeah. It's usually it's like around seventy points down. Uh, so and it, it's not yeah. it's you know, it's what, a fifteen homer pace so far? Yeah, he had four. I mean, fourteen last year in one hundred and three games. He's got eight and seventy three. He played two thirds. He played two thirds of a season last year. The doubles are low too, though, because he's usually a thirty something double guy, and he only has thirteen right now. But I will say, like in terms of quality of contact, his ex woba is three ninety nine, which is about what it's been, you know, since he's been a good player. It's his actual woba is only three fifty six. So he's he's underperformed his peripherals in that way. I just. My my concern with Justin Turner is more uh, like who, do, like I've stuck it in the league where I've drafted him. I've stuck with him as my starting third baseman because I expected him to come around and it hasn't happened. And all the third baseman I've missed out on because of that. Like, it's probably too late at this point. You have no choice but to trust him. But it's, uh, you know, I, I wish I, I, I wish. 
by drafting him, it made me less aggressive on the waiver wire than I probably should have been. Can, can I ask you guys, too? I'm curious, just like on Justin Turner, do you guys find a, a level of disappointment in like what baseball is now and how the ball flies at the major <laughs> yeah. league level that you yeah. look at him and you look at this average? And I think we've all over the last couple of years, we've extra- extrapolated and said, well, this guy who makes, you know, this type of contact, lots of it, the ball has to fly out. You think like that's built into the expectations of why of all the players is he not making any great contact in this game today? I am like, I am so over like evaluating hitters pretty much just in general <laughs> and in a year. And this was something we, I was talking about on the podcast yesterday, i.e. this morning. In a year when Cattell Marte, who was billed as this Ender Inciarte type, can be on pace for 40 homers with peripherals that entirely back it up, by the way. And people hardly bat an eye in it. Like, this is just what the environment is. Anybody could hit any number of home runs, and it wouldn't be that shocking. And it's made, it's made like, evaluating prospects, hitting prospects yeah. coming to the majors especially hard. But... Even even evaluating major leaguers hard like my my take on Jesse Winker coming into the season is, hey, if he can hit for the power in the he showed in the weeks leading up to his injury, um, which seems highly plausible in this environment, you take his contact skills, his on base skills, you're going to get a stud. He's hit for the power, but then everything else has gone away. So like it's it's I'm having a hard time narrowing down who's going to be the guy to capitalize on the league-wide power surge. Yeah, I like hard contact rate plus fly ball rate, and Turner's got one of those two. He's hitting the ball really hard. He's got a career-high 51.9% hard contact rate. That's really good, but fly ball rate's a little bit down, so I think if Turner could just start hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, we could see more pop, but at least you're getting batting average. All right, Chris Davis has been the most consistent player in baseball, bats 247 every year, except for this year where he entered Tuesday night batting 248. So big outlier season there. But uh, yeah, for him, seriously, the uh, the plate discipline's a little bit worse, and the home runs are down. I mean, there's no question. 42, 43, 48 home runs his last three seasons. Right now he has 16 home runs in 65 games entering Tuesday, just a 463 slugging percentage. So, Scott, 0 to 10 Oriometer on Chris Davis. Oh, probably only like a 3. I mean, there's a good chance he goes on a heater and gets back to his usual home run pace. I just feel like even even knowing coming into the season, okay, the environment's different now, home runs don't count for as much. Like it's it's gone beyond those expectations this year. And home runs are basically the only thing he brings to the table, and especially since he's DH only, though hopefully that changes with the upcoming interleague series. He'll pick up outfield at least in CBS leagues. Um, oh, that'd be nice. I, like, I, I draft. He was my third or fourth round pick in the podcast points leagues of ours, and I haven't started him, I think, since he went on the IL because I, I picked up Josh Bell and I already had Anthony Rizzo, and where am I going to put him? Mm. It's That's just a, a difficult fit, and he's enough players have either caught up to him or passed him that it's, you know, it's, it's really hurt his value. Okay, next one. Let's uh, go to Chris on this one. Austin Meadows, who going into Tuesday night, I think he had another kind of bad game. 304 with 12 home runs and 8 steals. That's great, but obviously slumping. He was batting 217 with no home runs and one steal, and the plate discipline has gone way in the wrong direction. Six walks, 27 strikeouts in June with that 217 batting average with no home runs. So it's been 
a pretty extended uh, slump, about four weeks now for Austin Meadows. Get your worryometer out, zero to ten on Austin Meadows. I'd have to say, I think I'm sitting between a five and a six. And I'll be honest with you, when I when I was kind of checking this out, I, I wanted to be less. I actually wanted to kind of like some of the guys we've been talking about want to say eh, two or three because you know if you look at the season totals. And he's hitting the ball a ton harder. There's already a lot of the good peripherals that kind of work in his advantage of a developing hitter, hitting the uh, hard hit percentage of 9% this year. But you go and look at those March and April numbers and those main numbers, really unsustainable, like 356 average, everything going in his way. And then now it's coming back down to earth. So, I mean, it is evening itself out. But these long extended streaks, these are the things that get me more concerned than like, take what we were talking about with Blake Snell, where it's kind of a three-start look I'm not as worried about that. Obviously, it's a pitcher. It's different. But you start getting into those four, five, six weeks of not just like 356 down to 270, but down to 217. I am worried. The ball is not coming out more. He's striking out more. Um, I, I, I have a level of worry because I think of where the expectations have gone to Austin Meadows, where I think a lot of we had anointed him this top 50 player mm-hmm. overall because of the early season performance. And this is really going to mess with valuations moving forward. I'm not sure the worry factor is enough to go and you know hit the panic button and sell, 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 sell. Uh, if I was worried, I would wait for him to pick it back up for a little bit and then move him. But I think it justifies a five or a six with this extended slump. Scott? I I would go I would go lower. I'd probably go like four. But I, I mean, I, I agree with the idea that, uh, OK, he's he's about regressed to where it, we thought he was going to regress, or at least I thought he was going to regress. But when it happens all at once, as opposed to gradually over the course of several months, it's a little alarming. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like. Yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned, but not to the point that I'm, you know, even sitting him, much less selling him. All right, uh, JT Realmuto next up on the worryometer. JT Realmuto, the number four catcher in fantasy. That's not terrible, but it's not what we drafted him to be. He's second in plate appearances among catchers. That's good. Scott, zero to ten on JT Realmuto. <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with about zero here. No. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess I ranked him the number one catcher coming into the season, and do I expect him to be the number one catcher anymore? No. Uh, but I expect him to be better than he's been so far. I mean, the he's making... His average exit velocity is actually higher than it's ever been. Um, his ex-woba is normal. Like, I, I feel like he's underperformed his peripherals, and if you know, he ends up getting passed because Grandal ends up playing more than he's ever played before, and Gary Sanchez has the dream rebound season. I can live with that. I mean, it's still, there's basically four catchers who are stand out from the rest of them, and I would consider Real Muto, Real Muto one of them. Wilson Contreras being the other. Okay. Uh, any concerns, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, it a little bit comes back to some of the draft valuations. I almost treated catchers like I would treat uh, tight ends in football. I want to wait till the back end of it. I would be concerned if I had Real Muto now because of the investment. It's not that he's not at least, con- and I guess back to like Scott's giving it a zero, he's still going to contribute the top 12 starting catcher, so that's good, especially in the environment. But you go and look at the cost. Seven catchers have more homers. Five have a better average than him. Four uh, catchers have more RBIs. Three of those four had a significantly lower preseason rank. So when I look at those things, it 
it just kind of tells me like I don't have I have zero shares of uh, JT Romito, so it makes me feel better about it. But I would be I would be concerned if I owned him. I'd say it's a it's a four, but thankfully, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, kicking him off your team or anything like that and putting, you know, Mitch Garver or anything or, Christ, or Christian Vasquez in your lineup. Yeah, Mitch Garver, another home run today. So Good he's back stuff. in the lineup. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Francisco Mejia, who has started five of the last six games for the Padres, and he homered again today. And Scott and I own both those guys in a one-catcher league, which is always a good thing to have two catchers. <laughs> but, uh, hey, at least they're playing well. All right, and then last guy on the Warriometer is Brad Hand. Holy cow! You gave up five <laughs> runs tonight, or last night, or whatever the heck you're listening uh, on Tuesday night. Brad Hand, uh, his ERA spiked up from 105 to 236. Did not record an out. His first blown save of the season Zero to ten, Scott, on Brad Hand. I mean zero. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. It was a bad outing. It's hard to make much of it in isolation. He gave up more runs in this one outing than he had all season, which tells you a little about the kind of season he was having. And uh, he gave up a grand slam. You know, his velocity was normal. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what to make of it other than that bad outing. I will tell you whose velocity is down. When we come back from this quick break on Fantasy Baseball Today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. News and notes. John Carlo. Oh, let me just say, I, I'm, I'm so tired. I hate doing the show at this hour. I hate it. How are you feeling, Scott? <laughs> I'm good. I've been drinking some uh, Code Red Mountain Dew. <laughs> are you serious? What are you, a computer oh hacker? God, you're going to be up all night. <laughs> Not even a sponsor. Uh, yeah, I kind of work. I kind of work weird hours, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> yes, but you don't have to do the show tomorrow morning. That's the good news. Yes. Or Wednesday morning. Um, Giancarlo Stanton left with a knee injury. Unbelievable. He's played nine games this year. He's going to have an MRI. Um, I don't know if I'd rushed to. Oh, Scott, I forgot to tell you. I put in a claim for Clint Frazier in our 16 team league, but not dropping anyone, so don't get mad. <laughs> what? Is well, that legal? Yeah, it's illegal. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not rushing to pick up Clint Frazier because I, because like last time Frazier played, Judge wasn't there, and Stanton wasn't there. Judge is obviously back now, so I don't know that he'd be a regular player if if there's an IL stint for Stanton. Uh, it didn't look that serious, but this guy is just like made of glass. It's it's really annoying. Tim Anderson left with an ankle injury. Max Kepler left after being hit by a pitch. And this is probably my least favorite part of doing the show right now is that. I don't know the severity of these injuries, but I do know that Jordan Hicks is going to have Tommy John surgery, and we talked about that on Tuesday's show. Uh, Carlos Martinez, John Gant, and Lego My Gallegos. Is that what you said, Scott? Off the air, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Lego Maya Gallegos. Yeah, sure. That works. I just want you guys to know, I, I, since I don't have a show on Wednesday morning, I'm going to make banana pancakes. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man. What goes with them? Is it just going to be straight up banana pancakes no. or you do something special with them? Slice up some strawberries, put some strawberries mm. on top of them. Gonna, you did the chocolate chips with the like, no. banana chocolate chip? No. I'm not eight years old. I'm just going to go banana pancakes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think you can enjoy chocolate chips and pancakes at any age. You know, I think so, but I, I might have to slightly disagree. I was with my boss. I work in radio, and I was with my boss one time at a breakfast, and we were ordering, and I was like, I'm going to order some pancakes. And then for some reason, I was like, ah, chocolate pancakes sound good. And as I was sitting there, and he was eating what grownups eat, and I was sitting there just <laughs> eating chocolate pancakes, I was like, this is a horrible idea. I look like a child. These are so sweet. I can't finish these. And then I have to be like, oh, can I have some uh, yeah. toast and some coffee, please? With this? <laughs> well, or, you got to know your audience. I guess well, if you think of food, obviously eating, I don't yeah. eating at breakfast as a show I don't, I don't know and, and you do your show with Scott Bogman he has never had kale is that right no yeah we did well we did he's he's got a current thing going on if people have followed with the Diamondbacks we we have this thing I and mean, we're both just you know fat slobs and that's just the life that we live and we <laughs> we realize that we punish ourselves and we came up with this idea where we're like we you know, when when something bad happens, we don't do what some people would do. Some people have different addictions. We go eat and we're like, oh, we're going to go to Whataburger and punish ourselves. So we came up with this bit where every Diamondbacks loss, Scott would eat Carl's Jr. And we have a video series of it. And it's got tens of thousands of hits on it now. So he's got over 40 videos of it. And in that, people are like, you're going to die. You need to eat something healthy. And someone brought up kale and Scott's like, I will never eat kale. So we did a bet. And uh, I did an 11 minute video for our Patreon where I, I did the setup. I went to the store, I bought it, and he had to eat a lot of kale, and he was not happy. Kale's about it. terrible, I, especially if you don't cook <laughs> it. You have to cook it, or it's just just. Well, awful. it was kale chips, and he was expecting a chip, but I didn't tell him it's a, just a dried leaf, and he was not aware of that. And <laughs> again, really not happy about it. All right, George Springer's back. Colin McHugh's back. He's pitched out of the bullpen tonight. Joey Gallo's back. The Yankees set a record by homering in 28 straight games. Uh, Scott, I'm going to give you three players who have homered in back-to-back games, and two of them maybe get a little more playing time here. Um, tell me if you're interested in or what you think about these guys who have homered in back-to-back games. Dominic Smith, 8% owned for the Mets. Michael Franco, he had started two of the previous nine games, and then he started two in a row and... and Hit a home run in both of them. Michael Franco, still 48% owned, people. Like, you're out of your mind. He has been one of the worst hitters in baseball yeah. since, like, the second week of the year. But Yuli Gurriel is the other guy who was homered in two straight games. He now has seven on the year. Dominic mm-hmm. Smith, Michael Franco, Yuli Gurriel, are there any stories here? Well, it sounds like you gave the take on Michael Franco, so I don't need to go there. Uh, the only one Sorry. who I feel like might be something different than we see him as is is Dominic Smith, but he's not getting an opportunity to play enough to know. It's great that he started back-to-back games. He had started one of the previous seven. Right, he needs to play more. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree with that one, too. Like, why are they playing Robinson Cano? Please put McNeil back at second and then give Dominic Smith some playing time. Well, yeah, but they, they, they Carlos Gomez. They, they're putting, like, Carlos yeah. Gomez and Juan Lagares. I mean, it's even worse than that. Yeah. So there's there's ways to get Dominic Smith in the lineup, and he's only eight percent owned. And I owned him for a little while, and then of course I dropped him this week. And of course he hit home run in two straight games, but he's back on my radar. He is back on the radar. Um, Ryan Zimmerman could be back this weekend. Caleb Smith is going to make another rehab start before he returns to the Marlins rotation. Hunter Pence was supposed to come back on Thursday. 
Um, I started Hunter Pence and I dropped Dominic Smith, and Hunter Pence is no longer going to come back on Thursday. It's been that kind of year. I, I wonder if they're yeah. giving Caleb Smith because he struck out 11 in his last rehab start. Uh, I wonder if they're giving him another rehab start because they can't figure out who to remove. Maybe. Oh, like, they're Maybe. giving Yamamoto and Gallon and Hernandez, Eliezer Hernandez, one last chance to blow it. <laughs> well, Gallon, I, Gallon, I think, goes uh, Wednesday as people are listening to this. So, I mean, it, it could be a big marker to the difficulty that the Marlins are going to be faced with if Gallon puts up another performance like he did before. Yeah. yeah, they said with Smith they wanted him to throw more pitches before coming back and get a little bit deeper into the yeah. game, but it could be yeah. it could be a lie, lying jerk. Yeah, I heard um, that one before. Robbie Ray was watching the game tonight. In fact, you were probably watching it, the Welsh. Uh, the broadcasters mentioned that his velocity was down 92-ish instead of like 94, 95. And he pitched pretty well. So he, uh, he had a rough inning, sixth inning, I believe. But six and a third, three runs, two home runs. Uh, he pitched well, nine strikeouts, did what he does. But yeah, it's his favorite to thing mind. to have problems, though. He loves to have like a really big problem inning. He's been one as much as I <laughs> want to like him. I want to sell him. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you don't have to argue with me. Uh, he's like one of my least favorite. Uh, Justin Smoke expected a return on Friday, and guys, Denelson Lamette is nearing a return. Does anyone care about Denelson Lamette for the Padres? He's sixteen percent owned. Wouldn't this year? I, I just wonder how easy of a time they're going to have fitting him in. You know, this isn't this it's not like this was some stalwart that uh you know they've been dying well I, I just mean they have a good a, b- a bunch of good young pitchers who've pitched well enough to keep their jobs and while I imagine they'll be able to find a way to shoehorn him in at some point, is it going to be with any consistency or is it going to be spotty work? I, I imagine I, the latter. I bet it's something like what the Dodgers are doing, because like what you're saying, you know, they've got Lamette, the Padres do, but they've got, you know, Logan Allen, um, uh, you know, and, and the Dodgers just bring up like Gonsolin and they're just continuously rotating these guys. The Braves have kind of done the same thing. The Padres could absolutely use this same formula of players. I, I think that's actually the play that Lamette does. You know, they, you know, he takes a little bit of a rest, sits down, they bring up a young starter. I think he's just inconsistent. If anything, he's a maybe a nice points league streaming pitcher, but nothing to hold on to. Okay, so speaking of Logan Allen, he did pitch tonight. We have to get through some of the other stuff from yesterday, including Brandon Workman, who got the save for the Red Sox. Do you think he's the closer, or do no. you think? Okay. No. All right. I think there is no closer. Okay. Flip a coin. There is no closer. What's interesting is Brazier worked the eighth. Uh, uh, I keep forgetting the Barnes. other guy's name. Barnes in the uh, seventh. Barnes. Barnes worked the seventh. Yeah, each of them got a save since Workman's last save. So who knows? It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's the deepest most committed committee in baseball let's talk about prospects then and first i got this email from nick and he says would you drop any of the following for brendan mckay kenta maeda dallas keichel or chris paddock would you drop any of them maeda keichel and paddock for brendan mckay no no i would Oh you really? Think, you think McKay's coming up this year, and you think uh, in in a significant role? Uh, so I think McKay is coming up around the All Star break. There was a speculation by one of the beat reporters who said, "I think they have a double header." Like right before the All Star break, he thought maybe he'd come up for that, but it, he said it was just purely speculation. Yes, I think he will come up. I think they need him. Okay, they like they Glass now's out even longer now. Snell's pitching like crap. Um, they need him, and he's been great. Why wouldn't they bring him up? And I think. Guys, that Dallas Keuchel, ready for this? I didn't say this before. But I'm going to say it now. Dallas Keuchel should not be owned in 10-team leagues. Oh. Dallas Keuchel should not be owned in 12-team leagues. 
What? And Dallas Keuchel what? should only be owned in points leagues and 14 team leagues or deeper. He is a oh, category killer. He is not good anymore. <laughs> the, he 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 uh, like who I is? He, uh, he's not. I this is a, this is a hot take, <laughs> and he is just not like I. He is yeah. not for me. You know, I mean, he's at least Marcus Stroman, right? Right, and I've always said that Stroman's with, only good in points leagues. But I, I don't like I don't buy Stroman's ERA, and I don't know that Keiko is Stroman anymore. I think Keiko lost it. I think his velocity is too low now. I think the jig is up. Like last yeah. year was a pretty disappointing year, and he missed the whole freak. He missed half the freaking season. Like I just I got nothing for Keiko. I, I no think, hope. Like in terms of WHIP and ERA, he's probably not going to be a standout. You're you're right about that. But um, and and this is. You know, I was talking about how it's really hard to project hitters in this environment. It's it's even harder to evaluate pitchers, and uh, you know what? That's part of what we're seeing with Snell now. Uh, is just things can go so colossally wrong over a short span of time for anybody. Nobody's been immune to this. The only pitcher I feel like in the entire player pool who's been entire worry entirely worry-free all season is Justin Verlander, and even he's outperformed his fit by No, him. he's given up a ton of home runs. Like, there, people are a little worried about it. it yeah, so there you go. Um, I feel like you have to understand that most starting pitchers aren't really going to help you in ERA and whip anymore, but you have one who pitches as deep into games as Does Keiko he, though? Does, Will he, though? I don't, like, that's a, I just don't think he's that good. Yeah, I mean, both of his minor league starts were seven innings and that was coming off a stretch when nobody had seen him pitch for months. So. He's basic minor leaguers. But you also have half, you have a half a season going on in a contract here. I mean, if they, if this, if this was done, if he was over, you don't think there would have been some type of a, we're locked into this Boris and Keiko. He is, I think he is going to go all out on the back half of this year. Yeah, He's going to go deep into games and him. he could help balance some categories. Nobody wanted him. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't, that's got to say well, something. Well, no one wanted the compensation to give up for him, which was the pick. But he nobody, gave him, nobody gave him a multi-year deal. Like, what does that tell you about how people evaluate Dallas Keuchel? Well, nobody well, nobody had to give him a multi-year deal. And I think I if think they wanted him, they could have. the point where he's sitting out a third of the season, he doesn't even want a multi-year deal. Yeah, I point. totally agree uh, with that. that. Kimbrell be. was set to it. Kimbrell wanted that deal. I think Keuchel knows that he's going to be able to get the big— he has a half a season to prove it into next year. That's why I think I think you're going to get some surprising results from Keuchel this year. Hopefully the good surprising. Right. I think you're going to be surprised at how bad he is. But that's just <laughs> that's just out of Azer's little hot take. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> prospects. Chris, who are the ones that you think— we need to know about that could be coming up soon. All right, for this year. So uh, I even, I, I kind of assume we might talk about this. So I've got a list of a couple different, obviously the guys that have been up. I do a top 500 prospect list. And oh. and by the way, kudos to what you guys got on CBS here because I play in the Roto-Wire Dynasty Invitational, which is hosted by CBS. It's 20 people. And I've done some mocks with Scott. And uh, I, love, I love big, expansive player pools. So I just wanted to give you guys a little plug for that. But yeah, I do top. 500 prospect lists and out here in Arizona I was just out at a bunch of games I'm seeing these dudes you know CJ Abrams Joey Gallo was just out here um, rehabbing and stuff like that but uh, digressing uh, here. But wait, not to interrupt but be honest by the time you get to like 150 or so does the order really matter at that point no, you, you know what? You're right. Like a lot of people get really worked up about lifts. Like they'll see someone and be like, eh, let me ask you something. How can you have this player at 274, but you got this guy at 214? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, like the range here is about the same. It starts to block itself into tears. But I will tell you, I get guys into my 400s and I'm like, oh man, I want to put this guy higher. 
but I, I'm just really delved into it. And I'm I'm lucky because out here in Arizona, like the AZL is going on right now. So the Padres first pick, CJ Abrams, I was at his debut, hits a bomb. Marco Luciano, who if you guys play in a dynasty, everyone knows about Luciano. He's incredible. I was at his pro debut. So I get really locked into a lot of these younger guys. But you are right. Numerically, after around 150, people kind of need to get over themselves because it's <laughs> it's just about strategy. And Scott, you yeah. would attest to this. People kind of have this hard time figuring out who am I when I play my dynasty? Am I the best player possible or am I the guy that has the best opportunity to come up sooner rather than later? All right. And so, what, so I don't want to, yeah. I, I hate to speed you up, but we, you know, we I do a lot of kind of shorter shows. So I just want to make sure we get to it. So give me the, give me the prospects that our fantasy owners, at least in their seasonal leagues need to have on their radar. So the players that you should have been looking at that have been up, Keston Hera, Carter Keeboom, Luis Urias, and Nate Lowe. Don't forget about them. Don't forget and make sure you're going guys that have not been up. I list them out. Jesus Lazardo and Dylan Cease, I think, are obvious ones, especially if you're chasing pitching stats. Lazardo's at the very top of my list. Ryan Mountcastle with the Baltimore Orioles. He was playing left field on Tuesday night. Uh, just more versatility. There's a big bat. Jake Fraley with the Seattle Mariners has been crushing it this year, 24 years old. I uh, saw a ton in spring training. Very good bat. Brent Rooker with the Minnesota Twins could get an opportunity. Daniel Johnson with the Indians. And then if you are really digging deep, Anthony Kay had a great year at double A with the Mets uh, getting rocked as soon as he went to triple A. But those would all be names pitching and some hitting. I'd be looking at to help you the rest of this year. Scott, anything to add? In fact, he mentioned Dylan Cease, and we got an email about it. When is the proper time from Dylan in Detroit? When is the proper proper time to stash Dylan Cease? Uh, he's probably number two of, well, he's probably number three for me if we were just doing pitchers. I put McKay ahead of him, but uh, it's more it's more in terms of potential impact than how clear the path is. Um, I, you know, Cease has had control issues and just hasn't been very consistent at AAA. It could be great when it gets to the majors. It's happened for a lot of upside pitchers. Actually happened exactly to Kopech. Yeah, there saying. you go. There you go. It, it, so it could happen. He'd probably be third on my list of just pitchers. Um, Agreed. And I agree. I didn't add McKay in there. I know 100% agree. It would be Lazardo, McKay, then Cease for me. Yeah. Uh, among those who haven't debuted, you know, I I don't yeah I don't I don't know that I have any names beyond that. I'll be, high on my list is is of course Kyle Tucker, uh, who's yeah. basically been uh, <laughs> Jordan Alvarez since uh, May first, except with speed. And then Luis Arias, who I don't understand why he's not the Padres' starting second baseman yet. He's been ridiculous at AAA, hitting for more power than I think most people thought possible, which is, you know, the way things Part go. Part for the course, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, All right so, so he's, he's going to be up soon. I'm not sure why it hasn't happened yet, but oh, it will happen soon. I got this Heath sigh from the other, from the other day. Oh, oh that's going to be... <laughs> Is that a great drop or what? That doesn't sound exasperated, though. It sounds like... I asked him to rank Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer, and, like, Charlie Borden or something, and he goes, (laughs) It was just wonderful. (laughs) Uh, I have to rip one of our emailers real quick. Uh, Nathan from Little Rock said... um, uh, We forgot a Jordan Yamamoto team name on Team Name Tuesday. And he says, you've got to say it to the tune of Sticks, Mr. Roboto. Domo arigato, Jordan Yamamoto. And then he said, now that is crushing team name Tuesday. Uh, Nathan, that is absolutely a terrible team name. Like, it does not fit. The syllables don't fit. It's just terrible. 
But thank you for listening. And now I'm seeing he's a first time emailer at a big fit. Now I feel bad. And the last time. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, listen, it's bad, but you can do better. So, so bring your, your A game next time. Back to baseball here. You got some, uh, you got some prospects to stash. Hey, real quick. DJ LeMahieu or Ozzy Albies, they both homered tonight, Tuesday night. And well, let's say last night. They both homered Tuesday. And LeMahieu is a top four second baseman. Albies is a top eight second baseman, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Who'd you rather have, real quick, DJ or Albies? I'm going to say Albies, but it's acknowledging that Albies is a player I tend to overrate and LeMahieu is a player I tend to underrate. And I may be doing it again, but um, it it looks like peripherally what Albies is doing now matches up. And, uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu, he, he, could, he could have this kind of bad up in Colorado, but it's harder to do anywhere but Colorado. The Welsh? I agree. Yeah, very well said. I, I'm I'm with Albies there, and I know the hot hand right now is LeMay. Here you look at the average, you get all super excited. Runs and RBIs are trending in a better direction, but I'm going to stick with Albies because I also think the Braves in the second half, it's just going to be this monstrous offensive output, and Albies will be kind of at the forefront of it. Well, that's actually what I was going to bring up. Right now, going into Tuesday night, the Yankees had only scored five more runs than the Braves in one fewer game. I now expect the Yankees to have the best or second-best offensive baseball. The Braves will be up there, too. But LeMahieu leads off, and he's not going anywhere. Like, he's entrenched there, at least for now. Um, he's going to be at the top of the order until he starts really slumping, if that happens. Albies bats mm-hmm. eighth. So that's a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. That's like an extra plate appearance a game. Yeah, uh, so can't. Just, I, I just could can't be that. entirely wrong. Like I, honestly, DJ LeMahieu is a player I'm struggling with. I was just working on rankings before this. Obviously, he's eligible everywhere almost, and uh, right. And, and I feel like like his, his production is so much higher than I have him ranked. And well, he his batting average with runners in scoring position is outlandish. That has really helped. But he also has a he's a he has ten home runs since May May tenth. <clears throat> Yeah, like his power has come, and I, that's I don't really buy. But leading off for the Yankees is going to be a good thing. All right. Anyway, they're both uh, very good options right now. Some hitters who are crushing it: uh, Scott Kingery, Dan Vogelbach, Francisco Mejia. Now Kingery and Vogelbach are, are basically universally owned. Mejia is only twenty eight percent owned, and you know. So I mean, did, did he did, did he come off the IL? Six he was in ago, the minors. He was in the minors. All right, since yes. coming back, he's been like on fire. And he was on fire at AAA, which is to be expected. Uh, the main difference is that they finally realized Austin Hedges isn't getting it going at the plate this season, so let's turn it over to the kids. Started 4-5, or five, and uh, you know, getting more consistent playing time is probably going to do him a world of good. Catcher is the one position where I feel like in standard size leagues there's real need. Somebody in your league could use him. Yeah, it's, maybe it's you. It's five of six games now because it was four or five going into Tuesday there you night. Go. He started yeah, yeah. again. He homered at Baltimore and he drew a walk. And we know the pedigree for Mejia. Um, Chris, you want to weigh in on Kingery and Vogelbach? Do you buy the seasons they are having? It's so man. We kind of said it earlier. What, what can he even say negative on Vogelbach at this point? Like he's just doing exactly what you expect with what these big hitters, these Kevin Crone type of hitters, are doing. And I think where we're at with him right now is exactly who he is. Kingry is a one that's super, super interesting to me because he is the ultimate post-hype sleeper um, from you know last season and how crazy the hype was. Now Mikel Franco is off. I'm encouraged with Kingry where they're putting him in in the lineup. 
uh, there's a discouragement, I think, in kind of what's going on in Philly. There does seem to be a slumpness that happens, some um, low outputs from guys like Romuto and Harper. But it's good to see Kingry in there. I think Kingry, it's not crazy to say Kingry's just an absolute must-own, right? Oh, no, definitely a must-own. But is he a sell high because that plate discipline is dreadful? Eight walks, 41 strikeouts. Right now, he's leading off for the Phillies. He's he's their best hitter right now, probably, like, you know, currently. Like, like, yeah. it, like it, you know, over the last couple weeks. And what's the thing that takes him off? Cesar Hernandez? I mean, I, I think he can maintain that. I, I think you, you should always, always entertain the sell high. And I would be there. It just depends, like, I, I don't know, Scott Kingry or Francisco Mejia, especially if you had a need at catcher. I mean, which side would you, can you feasibly trade Kingry for Mejia and feel okay about it? Oh, that's, no, you have to get a lot more than Mejia for him. Well, Even that's a need. Yeah, I mean, it depends because what's Mejia's ownership? It's 28 percent. Yeah. So that's I mean, it depends on the depth of the league. I, I imagine a lot of people are just now picking up Mejia or haven't yet even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if it's like a 15 team two catcher league, that's a different scenario. And maybe it's something to consider. Like Kingery is absolutely going to regress, but he profiles probably for like a 300 batting average two ninety. Uh, so he's not going to regress to a point where you're not going to want to use him at any of the positions he's eligible, at least in like a standard roto lineup where you got the extra middle infield spot, the two extra outfield spot, head to head lineup. You know, maybe he's more of an injury replacement off your bench type, but either way, he's probably needs to be owned and, um, you know, you'd have to get something pretty good in return. I think he regresses pretty significantly below 300, by the way. Like, I think if you think he's a 300 hitter. I think you don't sell him because I don't think his worth justify what people will uh, pay for him. But if he comes back down to earth as maybe a 240, 250 hitter selling out a little bit more, then you're going to come back down and he's going to be a 280, 270 hitter, which I think is a little bit more reasonable. So that's why I would, you know, I would look and not not try to get the super, super expensive buy on him. But if you believe he's a 300 hitter, I actually think you should hold. Him. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's rank some pitchers who pitched on Tuesday. Shane Bieber pitched OK. Against Kansas City. David Price pitched very well against the White Sox. Madison Bumgarner had a great start against Colorado. Six innings, two runs, three walks, 11 strikeouts against the Rockies, and he got his fourth win of the year. So let's rank those three guys Bieber, Price, and Bumgarner. Scott. Bieber, Price, and Bumgarner. Now, nice, nice bounce back for Bumgarner. All right, let's how about these next two? Max Freed, Kyle Gibson. Chris, who would you prefer between Freed? And Gibson, man, I am I am justifiably not fair to Kyle Gibson. Um, I'm going to say Freed. I'm going to go Freed then Gibson. Yeah, I I mean Gibson with a 4.26 ERA and a 1.25 WHIP. I understand why you would be unfair to but Gibson. Everybody seems to love but him. Scott, all, Scott like loves him. Scott there's, loves yeah, him. Scott, so you're the truther. You're the Gibson truther. I'm the truther. It really comes down to swinging strike rate, which was great also last year, and it didn't amount to much. But uh, it's and last night, you know, and then he had, and then he had a terrible start recently that blew up at ZRA again. So no, he, yeah, kind of the, he had two, two, two of his stars, last okay. three. Kind of a that, I mean, that's that's the there. thing though with him is that like, has he ever put it together consistently in his career? Well, it's it's only been like before last year doesn't count. He became a different pitcher last year. Fine. Uh, so. <sighs> He's like the Christine Michael of pitchers. Like every year we're just like, it's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen here. I, I can't, Scott, you're like the Bob Lazar of the of the baseball <laughs> podcast here with the, the Kyle Gibson. I just, I haven't yeah. seen it. When do you think we get it? What is it that we need to get from him? Well, I don't know that it's what we've gotten is really that 
bad. Like, in, no, in, it's not. You know, his ownership deserves to be what it is. He's got a lot um, of strikeouts. And you know, if, if we were comparing him and Shane Bieber, okay, I'd rather like that's not really yeah, much of a comparison. But Max Freed, you know, Max Freed has had his ups and downs as well. So I think they're close. Uh, I think Gibson is the better pitcher in terms of missing bats, and Freed, you know, is decent at missing bats and a great ground ball guy. Both have underperformed their peripherals, actually. But uh, I think I'd prefer Gibson. It's pretty close. Let me ask you about three more pitchers who started tonight. Tyler Malley, five innings, four runs at the Angels. Uh, Andrew Heaney, five and a third, one run, but four walks, four strikeouts. Continuing a, just a kind of a weird year. Every start, weird in its own way. There's good and there's bad for Andrew Heaney. And Logan Allen at Baltimore. Logan Allen had uh, six innings of two-run ball. That's followed up seven scoreless innings against Milwaukee in his debut. He has 10 strikeouts in 13 innings. Logan Allen for the Padres. So Logan Allen, Tyler Malley, and Andrew Heaney. How would you guys rank them? Scott, I'll go to you first. I think Heaney's shown the most in terms of ability. And uh, I am I am willing to roll the dice. If it's if it's a bench spot, I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice on any amount of ability. Uh, not really trusting in Heaney yet, but he could get the swings and misses, and that's my favorite thing in the world. Um, Logan Allen's been fine through two starts, but hasn't really stood out at any one particular thing. It's just kind of happened to put together two quality. I, I don't really have a good read on him yet, but you know, he's a guy who's supposed to have some upside too. So I want like going back to the pitchers we were talking about at the start. I would rather have Alzali. I would rather have Stripling or Arias. Uh, but Allen, I think maybe is on the next the next tier of potential SP pickups. Boy, I got to tell you, I I hate doing shows this late. Do you see the major, major storyline that I missed? I'm putting it in the notes for Thursday right now. I'm starting my Thursday notes. Why can't we just say it now? Like, because yeah. we're 57 minutes into the show. Like That is not <laughs> the right time. Later. It, well, it, now I'm like, you got me kind of on the edge of my seat. What is it? I'm not seeing it. Jack Flaherty was dreadful uh, tonight. Seven yeah, earned is. runs and four and two-thirds against the A's. The wow. A's pulled out the hammer on him. They, <laughs> they uh, you know, going back to the Super Smash Brothers analogy, they got the hammer. All right, so let's just goof around for the last couple minutes here, and we'll save Jack Flaherty for Thuriometer Thursday. Oh, let's let's find out a little bit more about the Welsh. Did you get this? Have you ever played Super Smash Brothers? Let's start with that. Um, I've got. How old are you? I'm 36 years old. Oh, you're I'm so okay. old. You're, I'm 35. Are we all on the same plane? We're both 35. Oh, oh man, I'm the geezer here. It's 36, <laughs> guys. It gets a lot worse. It's way worse. <laughs> um, my yeah. kid, because I have children, by the way, oh, has wow. a Switch. So I, I haven't played Smash Brothers yet, but we've been playing Mario Kart, and I've been introduced to that, and that's incredible. Like, well, all I, all I really know is the first Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64. That was like the high school party game. Is it amazing? Was... No, the high school party game was 007 was Goldeneye, man. That's, see, that's true. That is very true. By oh. the way, in, in Fantasy Baseball High, uh, uh, <laughs> Bogdan and I were the party house. It was Welsh and uh, it says Welsh was the rich parents who are always gone for the weekend and Bogman lives down the street and comes over to swim in the pool and play video games. And we were nearly expelled for their senior prank. <laughs> and you guys, just to give you uh, give the CBS listeners, it, you guys were voted the honor students. Adam <laughs> Scott, Heath and Chris, CBS Fantasy Baseball today. 
Here are your valedictorians who take SAT classes on the weekends. The closest <laughs> thing to a social function they'll, uh, they have seen is a pep rally. All of them run track. Hey, <laughs> I was playing Super Smash Brothers at parties, all right? <laughs> You were yes. living it up. You were living the highlight. Oh, no, no, goal that I was was definitely where it was at. All right, so you have how many kids? Oh, by the way, Scott hated Toy Story 4, so don't see it. Oh, what? Did you go see Aladdin, though? No. I, I had no interest in that. Um, well, what are you, communist? Why do you not like Aladdin? No, I just <laughs> well, I mean, Toy Story 4 was billed as, hey, this is a great movie. And every single one of them has been great so far. In fact, they've gotten progressively better. But this was... Is, are you going to do the like like uh, Bogman hates Keanu Reeves? Are you going to say Keanu Reeves ruined Toy Story? <laughs> no. no. Was he in Toy Story? He's in it. He's like the. I, I mean, I just saw the commercial. He's like the yeah, stunt in. guy. No yeah, He's in it and uh, uh, Buster <laughs> from Arrested Development. Can't think of his room. Tony Hale. How can this be bad? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, did you cry or something? Like Toy Story three well, was no. depressing. <laughs> like I th- I rethought my life after Toy Story three. I was like, oh my god, I need to go home my kid. Like, I thought was wrong with Toy, I thought Toy Story three was like the most beautiful ending they could possibly come up with, and not only do they make a new ending now, but they they invalidate that ending with the new ending Ooh, in a way that's much more depressing to me. Like it's genuinely depressing. Yeah, I think that, he's like, I think he's giving away. Like, I think he's. Spoil, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt Scott just so it just so he doesn't make so many enemies by spoiling Toy Story four. <laughs> that was I, just. I, I'm not, Given plot points away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you, you gave away some of the ending here. Like, I've only seen Toy Story 1, and I already know how Toy Story 4 ends. Like, they all become real people. All right. <laughs> the Welsh, thank you so much for coming on. Is it the Welsh on Twitter? Good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Everybody, listen to the In This League podcast and the Prospect 1 podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you guys for both having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Scott, whatever, dude. I'll talk to you Thursday. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll talk to you on Thursday on Fantasy Baseball.